Welcome to another edition of Seed Time Money Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Lodick, and Linda's here. I'm here. Just kind of sitting here playing on her phone, (laughs) (laughs) just hiding over here. Today, we're dropping you in on a video that we did over on YouTube. If you're not a subscriber over on YouTube, and I know not all of you do YouTube, and that's fine, but... (laughs) There's a lot of great stuff over there, including a lot of our awesome content over there. And so you should go check it out. Go subscribe. We just have a lot of great content over there, if I do say so. Yeah, and Bob's myself. really cute, so go look at him. <laughs> but not too much, right? <laughs> anyway, so head over there and you can hear this one. You're, you can see this one, but you can we're going to you know, let you hear it in this particular episode. And we're talking about 10 money myths. And I found this article... And just kind of like uh, evaluating these myths and just kind of going through. And there's a lot of good ones in here. And so just kind of giving a little commentary on this because I do think that there are so many myths about money that so many of us believe and so many people have these false beliefs about money. It's just time to dispel some of them. So that's what we're doing in this episode. And without any further ado, let's get to it. I found this article, Top 10 Worst Money Myths That You Need to Forget, and I'll have a link to it down in the description below. But I kind of want to go through this and just look at these money myths. And first on the list is this idea that buying a home is better than renting. And this is one of those myths that I wish would disappear as well, because I completely agree. And anybody who has rented for a period of time and then owned a house for a period of time knows that it is a lot more expensive to maintain a house than it is to rent. Lynn and I rented for about four years after we got married, and I honestly loved a lot of things about renting. I mean, for one, our washing machine breaks, and I just call the landlord, and he comes up and fixes it. And pretty much anytime anything went wrong, I just called them, and they came and fixed it. And the biggest one for me, being a do-it-yourself or being somebody who likes to fix things up, I quickly realized that I spend a whole lot more money upgrading and improving things on my house than when I was renting. Because when I was renting, they wouldn't even let us paint the walls. And so there just wasn't much for me to do. And I saved a whole lot of money. Now, granted, some of those improvements that I've made actually increase the value of our house. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of money that we spent making our home, something that we like, actually was money that you know wasn't going to come back to us in the sale of the house. I'm not at all saying that buying a house is a bad investment. I think it is a good investment in many cases, but the reality is that it's not always a good investment. It depends on your phase of life. It depends on how long you're going to be there. You know, we just sold our house and it is really expensive to sell a house. And so if you're not going to be there for a little while, if you're not going to be there for at least five, 10 years, you're probably better off just renting to avoid that big expense of selling a house. All right, next on their list is that you have to be rich to invest. And this is another one I completely agree with. Uh, In fact, I've done multiple videos and articles about this, about how you can get started investing for $100 and even one app that I still use and love that you can get started investing with a single dollar. And one of the benefits, I think, of getting started investing early or really just as soon as you can that I'll add to this is that you get such a phenomenal education when you put your own money on the line. And so I learned a whole lot about investing. I read a whole bunch of books about investing and took courses about investing before I ever actually invested a dollar. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but 
what I had learned when I invested my own money, that's when I really started learning some real lessons. And even if you don't have much money to invest right now, I think it's something worth considering starting, even if it's, you know, 10, 20 bucks a month, just to get your feet wet, just to start learning. Because the education that you get from investing is going to be something you're going to really use for the rest of your life. And so it's going to be valuable knowledge and information that you're going to gain from making those relatively small investments. Now, the third myth is that carrying a small credit card balance will help increase your credit score. Now, I'm not sure if it will provide some negligible benefit, but the bottom line is that Lynn and I haven't carried a balance on our credit card in probably 12, 14 years or so. And we both have credit scores over 800. So you don't need to do that to have a good credit score. And like the article mentions, paying off your balances in full every month is an incredibly important thing. And if you think about this from a lender perspective, they want to know that they're going to get their money back when they let you borrow it. And so if you're late on paying any bills, if you miss payments, like that's going to hurt your credit score. And yes, not having any debt, I believe, can have some negative impact on your credit score, but we are 100% debt-free and we still have really good credit scores. So don't feel the need to carry a balance just to improve your credit score. All right, number four, I don't earn enough money to save. So there are certainly times when this is true. There are people who are going through stuff that are in that situation. There are seasons of our lives where we might be just in a really tight spot and there's just not any money to save. But I think for the majority of us, most of the time, there is actually money to save. It's just that we're not prioritizing where it's going. So one example to consider here is just look at how the government gets our income tax money from us here. If you're an employee, you know what I mean, because it comes out of your paycheck. So before you ever have a chance to spend that money, they're taking it from you. Now, when you're a business owner and running your own business, things are a little bit different where they're not pulling it directly out of your paycheck. And in fact, depending on what type of business you're set up as, like you probably are going to be paying quarterly estimates of your taxes. And what's funny is that so many business owners who actually are doing much better financially than they were as employees find themselves in a situation where they have a hard time paying their tax bill at the end of the year. And that's exactly why many, many decades ago, the government decided we're going to start pulling money out of their paycheck to make sure that we get it so they don't spend it all on the front end. So that's the key. It's prioritizing whatever's most important and pulling that out first. And this isn't a new concept or idea at all. This is actually a really old one. And Paul actually talked about it in 1 Corinthians 16 too. He said, on the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. And so this is why I believe giving should come first, saving should come second, and then everything else should follow. All right, fifth on the list is a myth to invest in gold. And eh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't really have a strong opinion about this either way. I think some people hype up the gold thing and make it seem like it's a bigger deal than it is. Typically, those two tend to be the companies selling gold, coming up with all these reasons why you should buy it. But I think there's benefits to it for some people in certain situations. But yeah, I don't really have a strong opinion. All right, number six, my partner manages our money, so I don't need to worry about it. Yeah, this is really important. So the article mentions the divorce rate, and I think that's definitely something to consider. But beyond that, I think when your husband and a wife are in unity as a team, there's just a lot of power. There's a, there's a lot of potential. There's just a lot of good that can happen and can come out of that. I, I mean, I definitely noticed that with Linda and I. So when we came together, we just felt like our financial thing was just amplified. And it was like that verse where one can chase a thousand and two can chase 10,000. It was just like amplification of what we were trying to accomplish together. 
I just recently did an interview with Chuck Bentley about his marriage book that he wrote. And from his research, he actually found that there's like this 10x factor where couples who are on the same page and really working together financially end up about 10 times better financially than those who aren't. And that is just a mind-blowing jaw-dropping statistic to consider. And the reality is, the truth is, is that if you aren't both talking about the money and making decisions together, you're not on the same page. And so even if you're okay with your partner making most of the decisions and leading, because I think most marriages, you find that you find that one person enjoys it or at least is better at it than the other. And I think it's fine for you know one spouse to take the lead, but you have to be figuring out what your goals are together and just really be in unity about where you want to go financially. Seventh myth is that cash is king. Um, yeah, this is another one. I, don't, I, I see this going both ways. So there are certain situations where using cash is actually going to be able to get you a better deal. And so, you know, that's when it makes sense. And then on the other hand, like you mentioned in the article, there's certain times where credit cards give you a benefit by, you know, uh, certain protections or extended warranties and things like that. Um, but just to be clear, I'm not talking about actually going into debt on the credit card. I'm talking about charging it and immediately paying it off. But in that regard, using cash rather than going into debt, always king as far as I'm concerned. All right, number eight myth is that a savings account is a good place for your emergency fund. I actually think that a savings account is a really good place for your emergency fund. Um, his point he's making here is that inflation rate is about 3% and your savings account probably isn't going to earn that much. And that's a fair point. But the emergency fund, you need it to be there so that when you need it, it's there. You don't want to invest this in something that is going to have a chance of losing 50%, you know, from one year to the next. And so, yeah, emergency funds, as far as I'm concerned, should not be invested in stocks. Really, they should be in money market accounts or possibly CDs. But again, like you run into the issue of if you need it, then you have to withdraw from the CD and pay a penalty. So I don't know. I just like savings accounts and money market accounts for your emergency fund, or at least whatever the short-term emergency fund would be. If you have a huge one, if you have six months expenses covered, then you know possibly move some of that out into something that can be earning more. But in general, having it accessible, having it readily available for when that emergency strikes, I think is the best course of action. All right, number nine, two incomes are better than one. And this is yeah, this is actually a really good one. And I actually did an article about this years ago about calculating your real hourly wage. And what you'll find if you add up all the expenses for your work, for commute, you're probably earning way less than you think you are. And so if you're earning whatever, if it's $50,000 a year, after all these expenses and the time spent, it really might be coming down to a much lower hourly rate than you really ever thought possible. And so calculating this is a really good exercise because it it arms you with the knowledge to make decisions for your family that might make sense. Because there will be certain situations where having one spouse stay at home and not work will actually be far better financially than if they had a job. And I'll have that article linked up so you can check it out and definitely recommend doing that exercise if you haven't. All right, number 10, I don't need an emergency fund. I have credit cards. And yeah, this myth needs to disappear. This is just bad financial advice because you're just asking for trouble. And like he mentions in here, it takes an average of four months to find a new job. And if you were living off a credit card for four months, like you are going to find yourself in big financial trouble really, really quickly. And that's just not the way to do it. And if you're in a situation where you have zero emergency fund and that's like, that's what you have to do, then you have to do that to survive. But the point is, just like the old saying goes, the best time to build a roof is on a sunny day. It's not when it's raining. And so it's the same thing with this. So if you don't have an emergency fund, let's start today. Let's start now because emergencies are going to happen. 
And so you might as well be ready for them. So those are the 10 money myths from this article. I thought it was a pretty good article, but I'd love to hear from you down in the comments. What other money myths would you add? What's not included here that should be? All right, well, I hope you enjoyed that. And if you did, and if you have any other money myths that you wanna add, Head on over to Instagram, take a little screenshot of uh, our little podcast, a little thing, this little icon thing you got going on there. Tag us at Seed Time and let us know what other money myths you would add. We'd love to hear from you and we'd love to share your myths with our audience as well and uh, kind of shine a spotlight on you and what you're doing. So head on over there to do that. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, I think that's all for now, right? That's all for tonight. All right, sitting over there in the corner being all quiet. <laughs> But be blessed, be blessing, and we'll see you next time.